Welcome to Mad Lit Musings, a podcast with Jamie Jill Wright, where we go deeper and ask the tough and dangerous questions. Hello, and welcome to Mad Lit Musings. Today, I am stealing the spotlight instead of my mother, along with the wonderful romance writer, Pepper Basham. Hello, hello, everybody. So nice to see you, and so glad I get to hang out with Chloe today. Awesome. Well, it's an honor to hang out with you, too. I'm excited. We can actually talk romance, and nobody gets sick. So when your mom's there, I never know if she's going to start gagging or not. Yeah, that sounds like my mom. (laughs) Um, So let's just get straight to it. How did you come up with the idea for Authentically Izzy? Authentically Izzy. Well, actually, it was really a strange sort of... uh, moment I'd never written anything through just texts or emails which Izzy mostly is as you know and so uh, one day I was like I wonder if I could make show people falling in love without having them meet in person because there was so much uh, emphasis on the physical their eyes their how they you know the kissing and all kind of stuff I'm like oh let's see if I can have two people fall in love by just communicating and finding out um that they're right for each other well before they ever meet in person and so I the the text just started and when they started especially with the family members when they started it was like the book took off and so that was really how it all began and it wasn't like I'd planned anything it really was a a seat of the pants kind of story um because this the family took over and then we meet Brody and then he started his family started taking over so everybody's like okay I'm I'm just along for the ride yeah no I thought you did a wonderful job with all like the texts and emails and everything just going back and forth thank you and I'm so glad you enjoyed it and I think one of the things that's really important for people to know is that it fits younger readers too right yeah why do you think that's true I've been really curious I don't know. I think because younger people, most communication is online through texts and emails. So it's just like you're reading like a text with like your best friend. Like your best friend is showing you texts that like she had with somebody else or whatever. Like, yeah, that's cool. Right. Probably. It's probably something like that. Yeah. I think that might be the case. It's, and I think, I think too, that um, because it's a lighter, it's got a lot of lighter read to it that I think that, it works well for sometimes younger readers too. Not that you're super young because you are a teenager, but you know, younger ladies who aren't wanting to delve into things that are a little not as clean or light. Yeah. Cause it was very clean. Like there wasn't much of anything besides like back and forth talking about like how they liked each other. Right. And there's a kiss or two. Yeah. But it was really clean. <laughs> and light. There wasn't much. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Okay. So what who was one of your favorite characters? I don't know. I think probably Penelope. Really? Why is that? I love it. I don't know. She just she seems in a way almost a little bit like me, which is probably why she's my favorite. Nice. You know, just like almost trying to be involved in everything, but like not really, but like in like a good way, just like seems like super fun like yeah I would agree she does seem super fun and she seems like she loves people so big right Mm -hmm. she wants their best you know yeah she seems like she almost loves 
too hard. <laughs> Maybe. Like, so, yeah. Like, I'm going to force my love on you and you're going to take it. <laughs> yeah. It's like a dog and cat relationship. <laughs> so so have you finished did you read Penelope okay I started it right but I'm not a huge reader right I know and that's which is even more of an honor that you liked Izzy and read it all the way through Mm -hmm. I'll finish Penelope at some point so when we finish when you finish Penelope we'll have to do this again so you can see if you still like Penelope the best yeah we will yeah Mm -hmm. all right how did you like how do you come up with names for characters Oh, that's a great question. Um, well, for for Izzy and their family, I, I know it may sound weird, and and you may have asked your mom this question before or heard her talk about it. Sometimes the name just fits a person, and you don't really you don't really plan to have that name. Like I, I've been writing a story before and written two chapters and had to go back and change the name because the character was like. Mm-mm. I'm not giving you any more words till you get my name right. <laughs> um, but with um, with Izzy, for some reason, I wanted her to have this beautiful real name and have her nickname be something different because I really felt that it, if Brody could call her by her real name, it would show how much he knows her. There was the, like this special understanding of who she really is. And so that's how it kind of started with her. Because she's constantly afraid of being really herself, right? And then um, Luke and Penelope, for some reason, those names just fit. I don't know why. I really, it sounds so strange that we say that, that we really don't know why they fit, but they do. And I knew that I wanted Josephine's name to have a nickname. So I went through a list of names to go, what would be a cute Josie that, you know, she could be called instead of Josephine. And I like that all of their names have an older feel, like Isabel is a more classic name. Penelope is a more classic name. Luke is, you know, biblical, so we know it's old. And then Josephine, too. All of them have this kind of a classic name feel that is used. They can be shortened and stuff like that. Yeah, and I feel like that they all work really well with, like, the character. Like, I feel like, like, especially, like, Izzy, like, Isabel, it just, it fits her so perfectly. Hey, how is that weird? Isn't it weird how that works? And and with Luke, it was funny because he's kind of short and to the point when he's talking. And his name, it's, like, short and to the point. So that kind of worked out well, too. Yeah. Yeah, so how did you, like when you're writing a book and you're coming up with like personalities like how does that like how do you come up with the personality for the character um well lots of times I don't know the characters super well until I'm about five five or six chapters into the story so usually when I'm writing I have to go back and rework the first five or six chapters after I finish the story because I learn the characters best when I put them in relationship with other people. Um, and when I start seeing them interact with others around them, then I start really getting to know who they are better. And I think that's true for humans, right? Uh, real people, <laughs> just the pretend people. Yeah. But like real people, uh, we learn and grow the most when we're in relationship with other people, because then we have to think about them and adjust our behavior and uh, have conversations and things like that. So for me, sometimes I'll have a general idea of what the character personality is going to be like. And um, 
that's a good start. But when I start putting them in relationship with each other, that's when I'm like, oh, I didn't know that Izzy was going to be as a, a little bit sassy. I thought she was going to be like kind of sweet, gentle, and she's got this great sense of humor, but it's all stuck in her head because she doesn't share it with other people usually. And so that was fun to get to show. And I didn't know that at first. I kind of knew already that Luke was going to be the the deadpan, sarcastic uh shorter sentences because he's a guy kind of guy and uh, so that helped with Penelope I knew I needed somebody who would bring in this sort of fairy tale light joyful uh personality and then of course Josephine being the oldest there's already a dynamic there not that you're this way Chloe but because you're an oldest daughter but Josephine's the oldest daughter in her family. And so in that, there's the natural um, bossiness that comes along with being, I'm the oldest daughter in my family. So I get it. Um, a natural need to kind of be in charge. And um, sometimes it can go in a good direction. And sometimes it can go in a little more of, I'm going to control your life and fix all your problems direction. Kind of like it does with Josephine. This explained me in like two seconds. Except you've got a sweet, sweet heart. So that helps, right? Yeah. It helps curb the inner controller. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. me. I mean, I was a firstborn too. And so firstborn daughter. And um, and uh, it was the, you know, I've got to fix everything for everybody to make sure everything's okay. But because I don't have like, a, am not a really controlling person, it was more done in a sweet way. <laughs> Except I could still be pretty bossy. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think like too with being like the oldest child, you almost have like this way of you need to sort everything out. Like you need to be in charge. You need to make sure everyone's like okay, everyone's staying like in this designated area. Like if you're on a trip or something, like you have to be the one to make sure everyone's like prepared and everyone's safe. And yeah, and you want to make sure too. I think for me, and I think you might be this way too, is that if somebody is not okay emotionally, you want to come in and try to find a way. That's where you probably connect with Penelope too. Mm -hmm. Even though she's the baby of the family, she has this really big desire to help people be happy. Yeah. She, you know, and so as an oldest, you can also be the kind of person that wants to go in and not just fix, oh, everybody's in a safe spot, but uh oh, somebody's not okay. I need to go talk to them. I need to go help them feel better. And that that can be a part of that too. Yeah, no, that is very true. <laughs> and that could just be Jesus in you as well, which is always a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you're coming up, so the next question is when you're like coming up with what the characters look like. Like, are you looking on, like, Pinterest to find, like, inspiration of people who you think would look like? Are you just coming up with them in your head? Like, how do you come up with how the characters look like? Yeah, so I think it's a mixture of this internal image as I start knowing who they are and a mixture of looking at photos. Like, there have been both, both of those things have happened in story creating, I've found a photo of somebody before and, and, and immediately was like, that's a character in a book, right? I didn't think of that a vision beforehand, but I've also like, there, there's a book I have that's called the mistletoe countess and the main heroine is name is grace. She came to me in a picture in my head when I first started 
daydreaming about her and it was like oh okay I know what she looks like and it's been almost it's been really hard to find a picture that matches the vision of her in my head I finally found one but that took a long time because it nothing was matching I was like no that's not it no that's not it so sometimes it can be really easy and sometimes it can be where it's so unique to my brain um that I, I can't find a visual representation with Izzy and um Luke and Penelope Penelope, I always knew, I don't know why, it really makes sense, but I always knew that Penelope was a redhead. Always. I don't know why that is, but there it was. <laughs> um, I always knew that Izzy had uh, medium to dark brown hair and it was long. I always knew. And then I thought, oh, if they're family members, what's going to be a similar factor between them all? And between Izzy, Luke, and Josephine, they all have brown eyes. So I knew that. And Penelope's going to be the oddball, which she has green eyes. And so um, just it really didn't have rhyme or reason as far as saying, yes, this is exactly who I knew they looked like ahead of time. More of it kind of evolved as I was writing um, for them, except Luke. I knew kind of what he was going to look like and finally have a picture of him, which was great. <laughs> you saw that I think on Instagram yesterday. Yeah. And so that took a while to get to where it was like okay that's as close as I'm going to be able to get without drawing it myself and no one wants to see me draw it myself because it would be horrible yeah <laughs> I'm a terrible drawer too <laughs> realistic figures are even suspect yeah when you're coming up with like locations of like where you want everything to take place how exactly does like that look when you're trying to figure out where okay great question um Lots of times, I think you already know this from reading uh, Izzy, lots of times I like to use, I like to pull in as much familiar as I can because I love where I live in the Blue Ridge Mountains and I love using that as a setting. So when I started writing Izzy, uh, that was already in my head was that I was going to use some small town in the Blue Ridge Mountains. And since I grew up near Mount Airy, and, and spent a whole lot of time there. Um, I grew up just a few miles from Mount Airy. Um, I thought, well, that'll be a good place to go because it's a cute town and I know it really well. I'll start there with the Izzy story. The thing that was different about Izzy's book and that series is that I created a totally different country um, that's not real. And that was new because I've not done that before. Um, and I loved it. And here's the reason why that was a fun thing to try was because you can create your own histories and you can create your own towns and you can create your own buildings and you don't have to feel so, um, uh, the need for researching the real places to make sure you're describing it right. And I do that with my historicals a lot of times I'll really try to research what are where I'm writing so I'm giving it accurate as accurate as I can descriptions but when you create your own world you get to make it all up which was fantastic and so I could place things in the story that otherwise I wouldn't be able to necessarily if it was in an actual real place um, I could place things in the story that gave it elements that I wanted to have in there. So that was unexpected creating my world at first. I didn't know I was going to get that. That was going to be a part of it until um, I actually started writing it. And I was like, Oh, well, what if I didn't put it in England? What if I created my own country? <laughs> and so that's how it started. Usually though, because I'm a big lover of the Blue Ridge mountains and England and Scotland, 
some of somewhere, my books will be placed somewhere within those three locations. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you did a really good job, like, creating, like, this whole, like, country. Because it felt like it almost was, like, a real place with how you wrote it. Thank you. I It was so much fun. We really need to visit there. If we could do a Mary Poppins chalk picture idea and go there, wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. That would be, though. <laughs> be great. I have no clue what that Mary Poppins reference was, though. <gasps> I don't think I've ever seen it. Okay. You need to have a, a talk with your mother. And you don't have to watch the whole movie, but just go see the chalk picture scene. So you know what I'm talking about. I have tried. I'm off off camera. Mom is saying she has tried, but Chloe is not bought into the Mary Poppins thing. That's okay. People have tried multiple times. So just go watch the scene on YouTube. Okay. So you'll know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Then you might fall in love with it and want to go watch the whole movie. Yeah, maybe. though because of the one like spoonful of sugar scene you've seen that scene yes i no i think i've seen it like years and years ago but i think traumatized traumatized by mary poppins probably want to watch it again (laughs) you probably were traumatized by what the flying nannies There are flying nannies. There, the intrigue is in. You're gonna have to watch it now and find out. <laughs> Doesn't everyone want to see flying nannies? <laughs> She's picturing her grandma, not an actual governess. <laughs> That's even cuter. Your na- your your nanny might be flying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, when you are coming up with, like, book covers. Now, I know, like, you don't actually make the book covers, but, like, like, how do you, like, give people, like, the inspiration for them? Or does your book cover designer just do it all, her or himself? Yeah, so great question and a, and a really neat thing. I've made, I've designed covers before because I have some indie published books where I got to make them myself. So there are a few books that I have that I designed which is neat because you have all control over what you want to put on the cover, but it's also hindering because you have to pay for everything or you have to find the person who can make the artwork for you and all that kind of stuff. If you're not an artist, which I'm not a visual artist. So, but with the, um, with Thomas Nelson, um, they have such a great team. And the great thing about their process is that it is a teamwork process to make the cover. It's not just, someone else takes the, uh, someone else makes up something and sends it to me and say, you have to like this, right? They really get me involved. So what we do first is we're given a form that we fill out that talks about what are, what do the characters look like? Uh, what are some covers of other books that, that we really think would fit the feel of the book? So you look for other books that would have the same kind of feeling you would like for the cover of the story. You write some things that you don't want. Like if you have colors that really you don't like, you would put those on like, I'm not a big orange fan. And so I don't know that I want a whole orange book. Um, So maybe something like that. Um, And so they'll, they'll take that sheet and then they go through and the artist put their ideas and make a, make a cover. I a mock-up cover and send it. And then I get to say, well, could you change this and do this and then send it back? And so there's this back and forth for a few weeks until they get to the final and then 
there we go. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it was really nice. I think the thing that was the funniest about Izzy's is whenever they first sent me the cover, the people did not have shapes. They looked like big blobs. Oh. And so I was like, excuse me, could we have, you know, physical shapes on the people because they just look like big, a big, and of course, Izzy's wearing an orange shirt, right? An orange blob and a black blob. And I'm just kind of like, you know, I think they would look better with shapes. And so, <laughs> but they came up with the idea of the letters flying around and the hiding behind the book. And that was their design, which I think is really cute. Yeah, I know. I, yeah. My favorite of the three, I think, you know, so because there's Izzy, Penelope, and Luke of the covers, I still think Penelope might be my favorite cover because it just fits the story so well. But I like all three. I think Thomas Nelson did an amazing job with all three. Yeah, like obviously I haven't read all of uh, the Luke one, but I don't know. I feel like like his book cover just fits him too. Like they all fit so well. And this doesn't make sense, but like the colors fit well too. Isn't that crazy? And so even the colors, though, I had to do a little bit of chatting about because when I, I don't know if you're this way, I don't know if your mom's this way, but when I think of books on a shelf, I see them side by side. And the the initial idea of uh, Penelope's cover was a navy. And then uh, Luke's cover was not was not yellow and so whenever I said can we make them where you're st- sitting them side by side and can we make the colors complement each other can we make that main background color complement each other and they said well, what do you have in mind I said what about a more of a teal for Penelope and then when the idea for Luke's cover came around I was like sitting here going well we can't do red because red would not be a complementary color uh, and you know he's always wearing this red flannel shirt um I said do you think maybe Luke will hate it but what about yellow (laughs) and so that ended up it's going to be neat to see them side by side and see if that really does complement as well as I think it will well I think it will too because like the pink the blue and like the yellow I feel like just like those colors in general go together really good but Mm -hmm. especially with like the shades that you picked out yeah and and it's a I think it fits the story ideas too, because they're all light and uh, hopeful and uh, fun. And those colors fit that kind of feel, I think, too. Yeah. So when you were writing Authentically Izzy, you have the one guy character come in. I'm pretty sure his name was Eli. Did he just like randomly, like you decided, you know, I want to add in like another character or like from the start, like were you kind of like, he's going to come in eventually just like... Yeah, it was a great question. Actually, he walked onto the page without me planning him. And and it was a good thing because I had been in the middle of thinking, Izzy needs a trial uh, of where she's, if it's similar to her past relationships, is she going to continue to choose what's easy and mess up again? Or is she going to choose what's harder and maybe get her happily ever after? So Eli walked in as that kind of, I guess, foil for Izzy to give us a a look at her character growth, which I think is super cool whenever you can see that now she's realized what she could have and she's going to make a better choice. (laughs) Mom with the coffee. You're fine. Yeah. She runs on coffee. I run on tea, so I understand. I run on coffee too. 
And you make good stuff. I've gotten to see some of the stuff you've made. It looks beautiful. Yeah. I have a question for you. Do you have, did you have any scenes that you were, were reading and you were particularly like, this is, this is one of my favorite scenes or, or even, oh, this scene was uncomfortable or anything like that. Okay. I think the one with Eli and Brody, when like they're having the whole book competition, I'm just like, typical boys, (laughs) like always one upping each other. Yes, very true. (laughs) That scene was just so funny to me. I'm like. so typical it did it did feel that way didn't it like they'd pulled up their little boy side and were like I'm going to beat you and be bigger (laughs) so whenever you are having to read romance who you know your mom loves that part um how did it feel for you whenever you're reading through it and you're like you're rooting for who you're rooting for was it satisfactory did you enjoy that process yeah, no, I definitely was rooting for Brody 100% because Eli was just a jerk. <laughs> but yeah, I thought like overall, like there was a little bit of that, like, but is she going to pick Eli? But then you're like, no, she wouldn't do that. <laughs> and it's Peppa writing it. So of course it's going to have a happy ending. I'm glad you know this straight up. I'm so glad. <laughs> but yeah, I was, yeah, no, I thought overall, like it was really, really good, like. You did a really good job of giving that, like, well, maybe she is going to pick Eli, but she could also pick Brody, like, that little bit of mystery, but then also, like, no, she's definitely going to pick Brody. Like, you made it obvious as to who she liked more. Yeah, I don't don't like, I'm not a big fan of love triangles, so when you find, usually in one of my books, if there's another guy that pops in, it's a a very obvious yes or no. Mm-hmm. on which one she should choose or he should choose if there are two ladies which I haven't written I don't know if I've written two ladies in a love triangle before with a guy so I might have to try that sometime yeah. <laughs> are there any characters that you'd like to see me write a book about from Izzy I feel like Josie would be a good one you think Josie would have she needs to have her own book yeah <laughs> that would maybe be like two you could write one about Brody like his perspective yeah like their like um messages and stuff but it's from his perspective instead of hers yeah maybe that would be a a sneak peek I could give to readers yeah somebody said I need to write Anders story okay wait who's that that's that's Brody's brother oh yeah that's right my brain blinked (laughs) there's a lot of names in there (laughs) good and interesting yeah, throw throw an American into his life and see what he does because he's just a big grumpy pants. Yeah, he's not much better <laughs> than Eli. Oh, we need some reformation. We should send send a romance his way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that would be really funny though. Because <laughs> like you could even put in there like backstory as to like why he's so against like Americans. Like maybe he had been like engaged to one or something and then like she left him or something and now he's like all americans are bad like see see you're thinking like a storyteller Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i can always think about the stories but i can never write them oh well maybe well thinking is the first part (laughs) writing is the next part but thinking about them is the first part so there you go what made you decide that you wanted to be like an author um i don't know that it was a decision i think it just happened um 
so this is I love this story and some of your re, some of your listeners will have heard this before but I love telling it because it's it's one of my favorites. Um I started writing making up stories when I was old enough to even make up stories. When I was first started learning to write, even before I learned how to write, I would verbally tell stories. Um and loved loved making up stories, fairy tales and superhero stories and things like that. And um when I was 10, I used to go to yard sales with my granny every Saturday. The two of us would go Saturday mornings and we'd go to yard yard hopping is what we called it when I was little. My nanny would do that too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of my favorite memories and uh, of, of being with her. And we would, so one Saturday I couldn't go and she came by my house later that day and brought uh, a secondhand, secondhand typewriter she had bought me and she brought the typewriter in and said, this is because a writer needs one. And it was the first time anyone had ever referred to me as a writer. And that kind of just was like, wow, because I must have been doing stories. And I have some of my stories from when I had written when I was 10 and illustrated badly. And I have those stories. But then I, she brought me this and it was kind of like that moment where you realize, oh, I'm doing something that I love to do. And it has a name. And so I couldn't pursue writing. I mean, I guess I could have pursued writing um, early in my life, but it was really difficult because writers don't make a whole lot of money. And so unless, you know, you're like J.K. Rowling or, uh, or uh, you know, Karen Kingsbury or somebody who sells a whole lot of books um, and, or has them turn into movies. So I pursued a service career in speech pathology and then God was so kind to let me continue to do storytelling in the background until it was published. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Mad Lit Musings. It was a blast interviewing you. Oh, I loved getting to hang out with you. That was so fun. Yeah, it was really fun. Now, you remember when you sometime when you finish Penelope, we'll have to do this again. Yeah. We will. Well, I've got. Yeah. I'll have a copy of Luke saved for you too. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank <laughs> you so much for letting me interview you, and thank you to all of the listeners tuning in today. Thank you for listening to Mad Lit Musings. You can find out more information about Mad Lit and all that it has to offer at madlitmentoring.com. That's madlitmentoring.com. Or check out more about Jamie Jo Wright at jamiewrightbooks.com.